0: Hello. Hello and welcome to a live episode of Pop Culture on Deprogrammed. I am Carrie Smith. I'm here with Mystery Chris. That was a funny opening. Did you see what happened?
1: Yeah, you. We, you they saw us briefly.
0: <laughs> I'm glad
1: neither one of us is naked.
0: <laughs> we didn't break any codes. No, not yet. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we got to get that video fixed. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a camera down here. Why don't I try to do that? And then I just go straight into the intro video. And instead, it shows this thing. They're like, <laughs> so stupid. Thank you guys for being patient. If you're hanging out with us tonight, uh, it's been a crazy day. And uh, on my end, I'll tell you what I did today, Chris, is we visited two different car lots because we were trying to sell one my truck yeah. and uh, then we uh, came home and Anthony's taken down the whole mantle so there's no longer a wall here between this room and the next room so you can hear the refrigerator and stuff that was happening up until like 30 minutes ago <laughs> it's, the wall was coming down so it's been a kind of a chaotic day how's your day been <laughs> well,
1: before I say that You got to talk about that wonderful hat you're wearing.
0: Oh, what did you call it? Or did Pirate call it a beret? It's not a beret. It's a a 1920s. Yeah. Yeah, Where they would like wear it off to the side. Yeah. Um, Shirt matches. Look,
1: you're going out to a New Year's Eve party.
0: Yeah. I figured since we're doing the motion picture, if you guys are tuned in to pop culture for the first time, this is a live show that Chris and I do where we talk about pop culture and we we do specific topics each week, and this week we decided to talk about the Hayes Code, which started in the 1930s, and we're going to get into that. But since we were talking about the 20s and 30s, I figured, let me what the what the heck, just throw on a old hat. So,
1: and <laughs> uh, I'm wearing blackface. You can't see it, but just trust me, it's on. <laughs>
0: you're you're wearing blackface. <laughs> oh, where's Matt Deckard? Where is he? I bet he would have a fancy hat on. Uh thank you pirate. Anyway, what was your day like?
1: Uh my day was nice. Not too bad. Uh this past weekend I watched The Northman. Finally watched that. It's a good uh, testosterone fueled movie.
0: The Northman?
1: About the viking.
0: Okay. Was, uh,
1: the dude from True Blood, the one that uh tried to help uh convince uh, America that uh Ellen Page was uh, straight. That guy? No, I don't
0: know. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Well, he's in the movie, and uh, it's a very violent movie. Gets a little weird, a little esoteric. So that kind of um, weirds people out a little bit, Mm -hmm. those parts. But it's a decent film.
0: Cool. What about your crazy work? Was there any crazy stuff that's happened that you would share or no? Uh,
1: Crazy stuff. Um. My coworkers have been presenting every few weeks about, I guess a few of them went down to South By this past uh, South By event, and they're recapping some of the uh, talks they attended. And there's one where they're talking about, um, some woman was giving this talk about wokeness, but she she was herself woke, but she was talking about companies that are fake woke, which I thought was funny, like now that they're starting to call out companies that don't actually prescribe to their ideologies out and so Uh, it's all about how you can tell the the real companies from the fake ones that's just that's ridiculous
0: so it's so you can never be woke enough they're basically calling people out for just (laughs) pretending for virtue signaling which is weird because you've set up a belief system where people get points for virtue signaling Mm -hmm. and then when they do that you criticize them
1: uh i want to save this for a future episode we're going to talk about architecture But uh, I've been reading a lot about uh, old school architectures, you know, specifically the modernist and postmodernist architectures uh, movements. But for the modernist ones, a lot of those architects were trying to design uh, buildings that were Mm anti-bougie. And so that's why they stripped it of all the ornamentation and the color and just make these white minimalist boxes. yes. And so they were all basically in a competition to see who could be more (laughs) anti-bougie than the other one. (laughs) They just kept designing this more and more minimal boxes for like the working class to live out of. It's pretty funny.
0: That's like when you see those those celebrities, those uh, politicians and people who are members of the elite who will purposefully wear things that they think that every man would wear. But then you'll see, like I saw, what's that? What's that? that awful guy, that comedian who has borderline personality disorder who's dating Kim Kardashian, Pete something.
1: Pete Davidson.
0: Pete Davidson. I saw him in an ad and he was wearing an ugly t-shirt. I mean, (laughs) it was kind of ugly cool. Like the kind of thing, if you saw it at Goodwill for $2, you'd be like, yes, I'm getting that. Okay. (laughs) But it was purposefully ratty and it turns out it was a designer t-shirt that cost like $300, but it's made to look like (laughs) <laughs>
2: it,
1: i mean <laughs> it, it's it's funny there's a uh quote that uh andy warhol has where he says nothing's more bougie than trying to look not bougie and i was like that's actually kind of true <laughs> like yeah. they're trying not to look like they're yes. rich assholes but it's like
0: pete davidson you know you could just go to goodwill and <laughs> get the original <laughs> uh anyway Um, The other thing I should mention is, guys, I haven't talked to you in a couple days, at least. uh, Last night, I spoke at my city council.
1: I did watch that. It it was recommended in my YouTube feed. So, hey, there you go.
0: That's cool. It's not on my channel. It's on the Church on the Squares channel. Uh, Maybe Pirate can find it and drop the link in the chat. If not, I will find it later and put it in the comments. Uh, But my church has it up on their channel. And yeah, there's a for anybody who's been following the show and knows there's a there's a mural that was painted by middle schoolers uh, that includes a lot of sexual and ideological symbology. And um, there's been fallout from my pastor and two mothers from my church speaking at the city council against it. We lost our meeting place. You know, you came to outdoor church with me because we're meeting outside Mm -hmm. now. And uh, anyway, I said, okay, it's time for me to to speak and say something. And I was very nervous. It's, you know, speaking in, front of people is a lot different than doing the podcast because you can see people. And so your brain, if you have a fear of public speaking, your brain interprets it differently or mine does. So I try and say yes to those things when they scare me because they scare me and I want to get yeah. over them. And so I definitely had that moment right beforehand, you know, where your body's like a bear is chasing you run. <laughs> <laughs> and, <you're> like, <laughs> and You just keep going. And I promise if you have a fear of doing things like that, you're not alone. I have a fear of that. You're not alone. If you feel like you should be speaking at a school board meeting or a city council meeting, if you have something you're compelled to say, don't listen to that voice that says, yeah, but I can't do it. If you're compelled to say it, go say it. It doesn't matter. What's the worst that could happen? You cry and shake. That happened to be the first speech I ever gave. I cried and I shook the whole time and it was okay.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was fine. You did so, good on
1: your speech. You didn't flub a line you. or anything.
0: They're thank good. you yeah you get you get in your body you like you're training your body to get used to those physiological responses to fear right or anxiety mm-hmm. and then to be able to handle them so yeah. what was the um, action
1: because at the very end it seemed like one of the council members was a little I don't know if maybe I was reading it wrong but maybe he was a little upset or something people clapped uh, after you know, I wouldn't
0: you... I wouldn't read into that because you know they have rules just like if you go to a high school graduation and they say no clapping because it's against the rules and then everybody would be clapping after every single person that walks across the stage Mm -hmm. they have those kind of rules and yeah he said no clapping this isn't a stadium without snapping (laughs) jazz hands out the door
1: (laughs) (laughs) you should have began your speech just saying a point of personal privilege (laughs) That would have gotten their attention. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: I think he was just there. You're not supposed to do that, so he was just saying, "Don't do that." But you know what was interesting? Because my husband didn't know you're not allowed to clap. He was there, um, but the person who started the clapping apparently was this guy. I didn't even know this guy. He followed us outside to ask ask my name and and meet my pastor and. Um, but he's so some strangers started the clapping. That's encouraging. That means there's somebody there who I don't know who agrees with what I'm saying. That's encouraging for my town, right? right.
1: So that's cool.
0: I know there are a lot of us. Yeah. Um, silent majority. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to stop being so silent. So, anyway, let's talk about the 1930s. Nah. Wow. Ah. <laughs> so. Uh, I did some research on the Hays Code. Did you? Did you? Do some I did. Research? I did look it up. So I wanted to go through just. We talked about this show is going to be a history of censorship. We're going to do the Cliff Notes version. We're going to do the Mystery Chris Notes version. <laughs> um, but before we get to the Hays Code, so there were some things that happened when, when uh, before the Hays Code, where different places were trying to enact censorship, and two of the most surprising things I found were. Um well th- okay so three early types of film ce- film censorship. One was in 1897, it was in Maine. And this one was interesting. Did you find out about this one, Chris? No, I don't think I read about that one. Okay. 1897, Maine per- Maine passed the very first film censorship law and they passed the law because a lot of states had laws against boxing with money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Prize fighting. Um, But if a prize fight happened and someone filmed it and then started showing the film, uh, that was a way to get around it. So like if Maine had a law against prize fighting, but someone filmed a prize fight somewhere and then was like showing the film. So Maine was the first state ever to do like a censorship law. And they basically said, if you get caught showing a film of boxing, you have to pay $500, which was a lot of money (laughs) in 1897. (laughs) That's a lot of money. So I thought that was kind of funny. It's a no boxing, right? Um, They
1: just thought it encouraged violence.
0: I guess so. Or maybe it was because they had, they didn't like the prize fighting part of it. Maybe it was the gambling part. I'm not sure.
1: I was going to say once they figured out they could gamble on it, maybe they changed their tune. Like, well, well, actually make a lot of money off of this.
0: Maybe. Um, The other, the other two laws that I found out about were in some surprising cities. So 1907 and 1908, Chicago and then New York City, each censored film. And these were the two biggest film markets at the time. And it's just funny because we think of these places as so leftist now. Um, but Chicago in 1907, they gave the chief of police uh, the right to issue or deny film, uh, film license, the, the ability to show a film, uh, based on morality. So the police could decide if this film was immoral, then you don't get to play it in Chicago. Um, and they did something similar in New York in 1908. The the mayor of New York City uh, shut down all the movie theaters at Christmas, and he shut them down on the grounds that there were fire code violations and they were showing immoral films, which was that was also kind of interesting to me. So these were just like little sporadic things that were happening before the Hayes Code.
1: Well, that wouldn't be the last time for. New York City shut down businesses for-
0: Oh, this is any true. For a particular reason. <laughs> Maybe shut down businesses in the past couple of years. <laughs> Got a case and of for, the movies, the coffees yeah, For a kind of immorality, right? For not wearing your maskies or taking your Vaxies.
1: Uh That'd be a good skit.
0: You know what I really wanted to do was, uh, you know that film- was it called was it gold diggers what was it called the film that has the very famous song we're in the money oh, it was during the great depression I'm and what okay I'm pirate sorry,
1: I'm not time travel okay
0: pirate if you're listening pull up that we're in the money song because we definitely should play that and uh anyway i'd like to do we should do a parody of that um about masks we're in the mask <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so then there was this interesting Supreme Court case. This was in 1915. So basically, it was like the Wild Wild West. So you had these different cities like Chicago and New York were passing, the, you know, different censorship laws or just going in and giving the police the right to censor. Um, you know, Maine had their law, against uh, no boxing films. And so different states were just deciding on their own what, what was immoral and what wasn't. And so when these studios were making pictures, they were having to uh, submit an application fee to these different state like governing boards, and then they would have to wait a long time and find out if their film w- would be able, to, if you could show the film in Texas, for example, or, or um, if you could show the film in, in Massachusetts, what have you. So this case, there was this case called the Mutual Film Court versus Ohio, um, and it, they basically sued. They said, it's not fair. This is a First Amendment thing. We shouldn't have to, you know, if film is, a first, uh, is protected under the First Amendment. It's free speech. We shouldn't have to wait to hear from these state governing boards if our films, you know, are going to be able to be shown in that state or not. And the Supreme Court, this is 1915, said, no, sorry, film is a private business and it's not protected under the First Amendment. And you do have to jump through these hoops. And so that was kind of interesting in terms of the, the law. And then what happened is the 1920s. And it was just this time of debauchery. And uh, there was a lot of sexuality in, in the films. There was a lot of sex and, and drinking and gunfights. And there were also a lot of Hollywood scandals that were happening. And so somebody I saw in the chat said, are you guys going to talk about Fatty Arbuckle? Yeah, actually, I didn't pull up a picture of him. But I'm sorry, I'm giving you a lot of work to do, Pirate. If you can pull up a picture of Fatty Arbuckle first, that would be awesome. So, Fatty Arbuckle was just sort of, uh, from what I've read about him, he was just this over-the-top party guy. He was responsible for the careers of uh, Charlie Chaplin, um, Buster Keaton, and he just he just lived large, larger than life. Uh, his name was Roscoe Arbuckle. There he is.
1: Yeah, he's fat. Yeah.
0: I used to, he didn't like the nickname Fatty, but everybody called him Fatty Arbuckle.
1: <laughs> kind of looks so, like Lee Anderson.
0: <laughs> so he had this like just crazy reputation and he threw this party. I'm going to do this in broad strokes because I don't remember the specific details, but there was a woman at the party who fell ill. She had stomach pains and they ended up, uh, they brought a doctor to the room during the party, she ended up spending like several days in the bathtub at the hotel room. And there were different people attending to her and they ended up checking her into a hospital and she died. Um, After she died, he was accused of raping her at the party and murdering her. Oh, wow. And there were three trials. The first two trials ended in a mistrial. And the thing is, the woman who brought the charges, so first of all, the victim never accused him. In fact, she denied. Two different people asked her, and she denied that she was raped by him. Um, the woman that brought the accusations was a third party, and she was on record. Like, she had sent a telegram. This is back during tele, instead of a text, she's telegramming her friend, like, Hey, girl, I'm about to take some money off Fatty Arbuckle. Like, she, she basically said she was going to try and blackmail him and so they ended up not using her testimony the woman who made the accusation so on the third the third time they brought the charges against him this dragged on for like six months and the third time they brought charges against him he was found not guilty and the jury actually wrote him an apology letter (laughs) 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 yeah (laughs) yeah but get this what we're about to talk about in a second the motion the motion picture code and and what was called the Hayes Code. So William Hayes, personally, the guys the guy that the Hayes Code is named after, personally banned Fatty Arbuckle from appearing in films, even though he was found not guilty because of his reputation and the scandal attached to him. And it, it basically destroyed his career. Even after the ban was lifted on him acting, he, he never appeared in the same amount of films. And then he died in his early forties. So it was making me think of the Johnny Depp defamation case. It's like this dude was accused of something. It hurt his career. Um, and he didn't have the chance to have his death. He should have taken that later to court, you know, <laughs>
2: <Jeez>. <laughs>
0: anyway, but so, that was kind of a side, a tangent. And, uh, but what was happening was there was a lot of these scandals erupting at that time with different stars in Hollywood and the American public had this real sort of, uh, this attitude that things were getting out of, I guess, out of hand in film. And so there were all these, there was this push for the government to start regulating film. And I think I read that in 1921, there were over a hundred congressional bills submitted in different states for censorship of film. Um, And so what happened is in 1922, the studios decided, hey, this is gonna be a lot easier if we self-censor and we have like a governing board and we self-censor because if we don't self-censor, then presumably each of these states are gonna, they're all gonna pass their own laws about what's allowed to be shown in their state And then every time we make a picture, we have to take it to each of these states and, oh, well, this edit doesn't work for this state, but it works for this state and we have to re-edit, you know. So um, what they did is in in 1922, they formed the Motion Pictures Producers uh, and Distributors of America. So that was the MPPDA. Um, And this was supposed to be, they were like, okay, we're going to bring in this Washington insider. And they did. They brought in this guy, William Hayes. And he he actually it's weird because even back then you think um, they're they're setting up this board so they don't have government oversight. But they bring in this Washington dude like he had served as postmaster general under President Harding. Um, He was a Presbyterian elder. He was very high up in the church. Um, uh, Oh, and he was the former head of the RNC. (laughs) <laughs> so this is like a political dude. So they bring in William Hayes and they start coming up with this code and they don't introduce it until they didn't introduce it until uh, 1934. So this code, it was called uh, the motion pictures production code and all the studios agreed to it. Right. And basically this held sway over Hollywood from 1934 until 1968. And it influenced all of the classic films at that time. And in fact, some people argue that people like Hitchcock, and they had to get really creative to break some of these rules. We're going to go through and look at some of these rules because I think they're kind of interesting. Um, But before we do, I I wanted to talk about the pre-code era. So before they introduced this code in 1934, if you look at any of the classic films before that, they called these the pre-code films or the unmentionables.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, eh?
0: Yeah. It's like the deplorables, the unmentionables. (laughs)
2: unmentionables.
0: (laughs) And you'll see a very stark difference between the films that were made prior to the code being instituted and the ones after. Um, And have you looked through any of these clips i've been talking for a while I no i haven't looked through those in. clips
1: um I do, I do think it's interesting when you uh spoke about how some people were speculating if these codes help hitchcock and other people be more creative because i was actually thinking about that when we were uh researching this topic because last week we, we spoke about uh the 90s show will in color and i made a point then that i thought that Living color was probably better on Fox than it would have been on say HBO. Cause I, I think there was a opportunity for it to be on HBO, but I think if it had, I think it would have been too tempting for the writers to make really shock humor jokes, mm-hmm. you know, very explicit sexual kind of humor and having to fight the censors on uh, Fox. I think, forced them to be a little bit more creative, especially like a skit like men on film, where it's just in the window after in the window about gay sex, which, you know, was well done. But if it hadn't been on network television, I think they would have um, fallen prey to, to just doing kind of shock humor.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think sometimes those restrictions, sometimes I'm not saying I don't have an opinion yet. We can put it to that. We can do a poll at the end. We've never done a poll. We can do a poll of the if the chat thinks that the code was a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. There were good things about it and there were bad things, lots of bad things about it. I don't like censorship. Right. But at the same time, you have to get creative. And that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. And, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, even on the show before about music and how the music back then of the 20s and 30s, I mean, it was very, They they sang about sex, you know, they mm-hmm. sang about alcohol and drugs. And, but they almost had to be more creative about it. Um, They weren't as on the nose. And I have to tell you, Chris, yesterday after, after speaking at the city council went and got a coffee um, with some of my friends and my pastor and stuff. And then after we left, my husband and I were walking back to the car and this car pulls into the town square these two guys blasting this song and they're both singing them. And it was literally, I've made the joke before that the music today is not creative and it's basically like, put your blank in my blank. That's what this song was. It was, <laughs> I didn't even know. The song was like, I'm going to put my blank in your blank and the guys were singing it and I'm like, ooh, like it's not even, it's not creative. It's so boring. It's just your body part and whatever. Did, the,
1: did I ever share with you that song? I forget the guy's name, but it's like a 1930s blues singer. Who had all of his songs were just like sexual into So he had yes. one song called Please Warm My Wiener, which was yes. a great song. And then another one called uh, Banana in Your Fruit Basket. <laughs> 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 and I was like, see, that's that's clever. You know, like you said, there there's no mystery to anything they're talking about. And you know, I kind of want to do a future episode of pop culture just called What Happened to Black Music? I mean, <laughs> We went for such great, great songs, like the, the aforementioned songs, but obviously with, you know, Marvin Gaye and uh, um, Sam Cooke, Retha Franklin to what? Travis Scott.
0: Uh, the song I heard last night. Yeah. I'm going to put my blank in your blank.
1: Little Nas okay. X. Uh, great.
0: Cool. <laughs> but it's
1: almost like the oppression that us blacks were under during Jim Crow kind of like we are talking about earlier, maybe force people to, to be a little bit more focused and to actually make good things. Not that I'm saying segregation was a good thing for people to go, you're saying segregation is a good thing? Like, no, but I'm saying there's almost like there's too much freedom. <laughs> it's a weird way. Almost as blacks, you see how degenerate we, we've become as a whole.
0: You would have loved my pastor's sermon this past week. This
1: oh, he doesn't like week. black people either?
0: It was all about not liking black people. No, no, it was He's about it was about the freedom. It, it, it was about freedom from versus freedom to. It was sort of about this about how mm-hmm. about how boundaries actually create more freedom in some cases. It was sort of drawing on um, Augustine and his Confessions, and you know that whole idea of. If you have no boundaries in your life, um, then you just kind of go off into nothingness and and it it almost takes boundaries for you to create something really special and and beautiful. I don't know if that makes no, sense, but
1: definitely. I remember uh when I was in high school, I wrote to one of the designers for the uh, Star Wars for, work for Lucasfilm, he's doing the Star Wars prequels. And uh one of the took, you know, from his that. Great things are to uh, design boundaries. It's hard to design in a, in a vacuum, but when you have those boundaries, it's a lot easier to create things. And so, to your point I think there's a lot of proof of that.
0: You were choppy for me. I don't know if you were choppy for people watching, know. but I think I got most of that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to show. I'm going to put the super chat up before we show these clips because. I didn't realize you were here. And that's very kind of you. You don't have to do that. Fitness with Julian's here. Hello, sir. He gave us a $20 super chat. He says, hey, guys, I read the story behind the thumbnail. It made me sad, but yet inspired. The 20s through the 60s are some of my favorite eras to learn about. Fashion, art, music, film was amazing back then. Glad you guys are covering this. Cool. Thank you for being here and hanging out with us. I still want to talk to you one day. I'm going to talk to this dude. Um, okay. So we were talking about, before we went on our tangent, about, about music. We were talking about the pre-code era. So this was, this was the era when it was just sort of the wild, wild west. They were doing whatever they wanted. And so there were films like, and, and Pirate, I think maybe if you could cue up first, the Morocco clip. So this is credited, this is a 1930 film. Um, I watched this film in college as part of my social justice feminist training. Uh, I think it was in, it was probably one of the porn classes I was in about the (laughs) header, about the heterosexual gaze. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so Morocco, it was made in 1930 and is that the right one? No, that's not it. Morocco. It might say first lesbian kiss.
2: There you go.
0: Okay, let's just watch this. In this tuxedo.
3: May I have this?
2: Of course.
0: And the camera lingers. I mean, it wasn't like I. I can't stop there. So it's like racy, right? <laughs> that was wow. more Lena like Dietrich. Yeah. Um, so you had that was that was kind of a famous one. Um, 1932 was the movie Freaks, which pushed boundaries yes. of good taste, right?
1: I did a project uh, in college about that.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, Tarzan. Oh, I wish I had pulled this one up. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you something to do, pirate, while we're watching the next clips. But there was uh there was a scene with Tarzan and Jane when he first meets Jane, and she's naked, she's swimming, and there's an under this really beautiful underwater scene where you can see the two of them like swimming and kind of following each other under the water. And so there was like nudity there. I mean, it's hard to you can't really it's not explicit because she's underwater, it's kind of grainy and um, but things like this. There were a lo- there was growing consensus against this and a lot of the community that was um, coming out to oppose what was happening on film was the religious community so in 1934 uh, there was a group of Catholics who decided they were going to set up this league it was called the Le- the Legion of Decency
1: <laughs> <Assemble>. <laughs> a symbol
0: a <laughs> symbol. Anyway, the Legion of Decency, and they actually, these Catholics, they partnered with uh, Jewish groups and Protestant groups, and they started all these boycotts. And so this eventually led to, in 1934, the adoption of what came to be known as the Hays Code. So before, again, before we show the Hays Code and go through what was in it, um, I did pull up, I didn't pull up the Tarzan clip, but I did pull up that first one you had queued up there, Pirate. Let's watch this. This is a channel... That you guys should check out. His name is Kevin Wintick. And he just shows old clips. I think his whole channel is dedicated to clips. From the pre-code films. And so we're just going to watch one of his. Short. uh, Montages.
3: Yes sir. Chief still busy Ms. Simmons? Yes Mr. McCain. Very busy. Uh, Blonde or brunette? She's a blonde. You know the one, the nightclub girl, Catherine, what's her name, Watson? Uh, do you suppose she will be with him long? Depends upon what you call long. <laughs> I think probably until after breakfast, tomorrow. Cigarette? No, thanks. Mr. Hollander, do smoke one of my cigarettes. With pleasure. Now, inhale deeply. Thank you. Were you playing something? Yes, the typewriter. Oh, you're a little stenographer. Yes, I'm a little stenographer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. I don't suppose you'd uh, take some dictation from me sometime, would you? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I got bad news for you, Chester. I can't use the cat idea. Oh, you'll want to start telling me what I can use and what I can't well, use. Well, it's my job to see that our polar fit in with the sensor regulations. I'm only doing my duty. Oh, I see. The tom cats and the pussy cats are all right, but the kittens are illegitimate. They certainly are. Unless they're married by a preacher cat. No preacher cat, no kittens. No, you can't use it in 39 cities. Grab a smoking bottle. Never mind us. No, I I can't do that. The is at his bath. He left instructions he was not to be disturbed unless it was a matter of business. What? No, <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. Uh, he didn't mean that kind of business. No, I wasn't trying to be fresh. Yes, but... But if... but if, if I... Thank you, ma'am. I've been told to go there before. These look mighty nice on you. You know, they just match your teeth. Gee, you look swell.
2: Hey, cut that out!
3: Whoa! Whoa! Now look what you did. Those are expensive. Oh, you know what?
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what can you, you pause this, Pirate? This actually isn't the right one. I just sent it to you in the telegram. I mean, this is cool, and we're getting some of the innuendo, but this one that I just sent you, it's like more concise. There's music. We'll have a little more fun with it. There we go. Boom. The Unmentionables. Here we go.
3: You want entertainment, wholesome, interesting, and vital. This the motion picture industry is pledged to provide. Let me see your underwear. <laughs>
2: i think this
0: one is all just ladies
1: more about that spanking Uh, movie
0: okay i wonder if that was from the one i forget which film this is but did you run across that clip it was an old black and white pre-code film where it's like a man and woman up close arguing and he slaps her and she's like i love it do it again
2: (laughs) (laughs) no that sounds awesome
0: (laughs) it's like Woohoo! Pre-code era. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, that don't you think that the pre-code stuff is um, I mean, it's randy. It's ladies. Mm-hmm. It's definitely adult. You know, getting, getting changed into the... But it's not. Compared to today, it's so tame. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> <It's so laughs> Nothing's tame.
1: left to the imagination today.
0: Today, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that kind of stuff reminds me more of uh, like burlesque as opposed to a strip club, like the difference between burlesque and a strip club, you know, oh, Yeah, um, it's just more, mm, it's just more tame. Right.
2: Um,
0: so I think the one that you were playing first pirate, we're going to do a comparison. We're not going to play it again, but someone in the chat said this, and I think it's true. I think the one that you were playing first, those were clips from films during the haze code. That's why they were using innuendo so much. So during the haze code, they couldn't show there were so many things they couldn't do. Including show lingerie, So none of that stuff we just saw. Um, and they they couldn't show things on camera. So they started having to talk about things a lot more and use a lot more words um, to describe things. And so uh, there was a lot more exposition. There was a lot more like, remember when this thing just happened that we saw and or there was innuendo, like sometimes they would talk about how in the movie Gilda, for example, there was this hidden homosexual um, innuendo, and they had to kind of get crafty and clever to make you question things, maybe plant that seed in your mind. Um, and so, so that's what we started to see during the Hayes Code. Um, let's pull, let's pull it up. I just want to show people what it looks like, and we could read through it. Alan Scott says, "I don't know if I even saw an ankle <laughs> in the pre-code films." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got the Hays Code here and we're going to read through some of it and see what some of these rules were. Um, As pirates pulling it up, I'll just tell you some of the broad strokes of the Hays Code is they were basically, all the studios agreed. They're like, we don't want to show anything that might cause a person to pursue immorality. And so if they showed one thing that they did is that, that um, good guys would get rewarded in films and bad guys had to be punished. And so if you had a character who was a murderer, for example, that character had to be punished on screen. You couldn't have a character who was a murderer, then like find true love at the end. Do you know what I mean? You would have to change who the murderer was. If you had a main character who you wanted to get with the guy at the end, you would have to change it and make it so someone else was the ended up committing the murder and not her because she has, because she, otherwise she would have to be punished and she can't find true love. So that was kind of interesting because they would just explicitly um, have to rewrite things that were books. Like they were doing a film uh, based on a book and they would have to change some of the characters because on film, they could never show any type of criminal or any bad guy getting away with anything. Can you make look, this look
1: how far things <laughs> have fallen in terms of protagonists who are terrible people who are constantly getting rewarded? It's yeah. like Kevin Spacey's character and House of Cards. It's an awful, awful human being, but he's made protagonist. And you're like, for whatever reason, rooting for this guy to outsmart his enemies.
0: Yeah, you were never supposed to um, sympathize with the criminal. So, okay, let's see. Can you make this just a little bit bigger, pirate? I'm gonna skim through some of this. So reasons for the code. The advent of sound on the motion picture screen brought new problems of self-discipline and regulation to the motion picture industry. Sound unlocked a vast amount of dramatic material, which for the first time could be effectively presented on the screen. It brought the dramatist to Hollywood to supplement the work of the scenario writer. It brought stars from the legitimate stage and the variety stage to the talking picture talking motion picture screen. It brought spoken dialogue, which had to be adapted to the requirements of film presentation. It brought new extras, many of whom were given spoken lines. Um, so then it goes on. Now this, here we go. The task undertaken by the motion picture producers and distributors of America cooperating with educators, dramatists, church authorities, church authorities and leaders in the field of child education, and social welfare work has now resulted In the adoption of a new code by the Association of Motion Picture Producers. The new code has been accepted and subscribed to by, and then they list all the studios and producers, including Warner Brothers, like all the big studios, Fox, everybody was on board with this, MGM. So... Principles underlying the code. Number one, motion picture producers recognize the high trust and confidence which have been placed in them by the people of the world, and they recognize their responsibility to the public because of this trust. Number two, theatrical motion pictures are primarily to be regarded as entertainment. Mankind mankind has always regarded the importance of entertainment and its value in rebuilding the bodies and souls of human beings. Number three, it is recognized that there is entertainment which tends to improve the race uh, and entertainment which tends to harm human beings or to lower their standards of life and living. Number four, motion pictures are an important form of art expression. Art enters intimately into the lives of human beings. The art of motion pictures has the same objectives as the other arts. The presentation of human thought, emotion, and experience in terms of an appeal to the soul through the senses. Number five, in consequence of the foregoing facts, the following general principles are adopted. Okay? So these are, the, these are the overall principles of the Hays Code. No picture shall be produced which will lower the moral standards of those who see it. Hence, the sympathy of the audience should never be thrown to the side of crime or wrongdoing or evil or sin correct standards of life shall be presented on the screen subject only to necessary dramatic contrast law natural or human should not be ridiculed not shall sympathy be created for its violation and then they get into these specifics and here's where it gets really interesting did you read through these
1: no i didn't see that
0: oh okay cool this is gonna be fun then particular applications crimes against the law These shall never be presented in such a way as to throw sympathy with the crime as against law and justice or to inspire others with a desire for imitation. So this was really important. They were very concerned that criminals might learn how to commit crime better through movies. So, for example, if they had a scene with a safe cracker, someone cracking a safe, you couldn't show them cracking the safe up close because they thought criminals might be like, ha ha, like <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so that's how you do it
0: oh. right so they didn't want didn't want to, any imitation so number 1 murder the technique of murder must be presented in a way that will not inspire imitation that's kind of vague right yep number 2 brutal killings are not to be presented in detail number 3 revenge in modern times shall not be justified um they had loopholes around this. So some of the studios said, so in modern, see it says revenge in modern times because they had the rule of law. But so if they found loopholes, so they if they set a film in the Wild West where there was no law, then they could show revenge because there was no law at the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Logical.
0: So it wasn't modern times, right? <laughs> um, so they were very creative about finding different loopholes. So methods of crime, should not be explicitly presented. Theft, robbery, safe cracking, and dynamiting of trains. They didn't want to show criminals how to di- dynamite trains. Mines, <laughs> buildings, etc. should not be detailed. Uh, arson must be subject to some the same safeguards. The use of firearms should be restricted to essentials. Methods of smuggling should not be presented. Don't show smugglers how to smuggle.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> um, illegal drug traffic must never be shown the use of liquor in american life when not required by the plot or for proper characterization will not be shown do you want me to keep do you want me to go into sex or do you want to read this
1: right uh, keep going
0: okay sex the sanctity of the institution of marriage and the home shall be upheld pictures shall not infer that low forms low forms of sex relationship are the accepted or common thing number 1 adultery Sometimes necessary plot material must not be explicitly treated or justified or presented attractively. So if you showed adultery, it had to be with the moral lesson that it was wrong and the people committing adultery had to be punished in the plot of the film. Like you couldn't show it in any way other than this is bad. Uh, Number two, scenes of passion should not be introduced when not essential to the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, that's all they do now, or at least they used to, is like find ways to put in scenes of passion. Should not be introduced when not essential to the plot. In general, passion should be treated that these scenes do not, do not stimulate the lower and baser element. That means the lower and baser element of society, guys.
1: (laughs) 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 That's the way they...
0: Yes. The the deplorables. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Seduction or rape. They should never be more than suggested. Okay, so you can't show it. They can only be suggested. And only when essential for the plot. And even then, never shown by explicit method. So you can't show seduction either. Like, okay, uh, look at this. B, seduction and rape are never the proper subject for a comedy. Number four, sex perversion or any inference of it is forbidden. Okay, so what they meant by sex perversion here, most film historians agree, is they meant homosexuality. So... That was kind of a euphemism. Number five. Can you see this one?
1: Uh, yes. White slavery.
0: White slavery shall not be treated. You cannot show it. Um, <laughs> they created the loophole around this. They, would on, they were only allowed to show white slaves if they were doing... They did some films about um, the Romans, you know, if they were to do a historic picture. Then they could show white slavery, but otherwise, That's no. So
1: bizarre, <laughs> <The whole> white <laughs> slaves, particularly. It's
0: this is one of those cases. I mean, do you think? What do you think about this? Because I have thoughts about it.
1: I I it's I, I don't I don't know why, particularly the one we just read, the white slavery. That one, the other ones make sense for that time. I could see. But this white slavery, war well, that's one I would have never guessed that's something that they would have been concerned about, us as whites as slaves. I guess if that's a racist thing, if they thought that devalues the white race or something, I don't I know. So. Even though it's going to be other white people, I mean, I'm really going to show a black person and white person. I mean, <laughs> I doubt you know, anything like that. So it's just, it's odd. It's a really odd thing to put in there with the other things regarding sex and violence, which makes sense yeah. from from their perspective back then.
0: I think it's, I think you're right. I, I think actually um, a lot of woke ideology, <clears throat> excuse me. They have, they have like a little tiny, tiny kernel of truth in, and then they add to it all of this bad ideology and a bunch of lies, but they do have a kernel of truth. And and I think this is a good example of white supremacy in the '30s, where they just don't want to. I think it's what you're saying. They feel like it would devalue white people or something to show them as slaves. Wow. That's why I don't know. That's what I. That's why I assume that's in there. You can't show white people as slaves. Um, number six. Do you see that one?
1: Uh let's see. What is that, Miss? What is that? What is it?
0: So this is this is great. I don't I I know this word, but I have trouble pronouncing it too, which is amazing because that's how far we've come as a society. <laughs> this is the common word that means um, interracial relationships. Miscegenation. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say it wrong. Is is forbidden. So you could not show on screen an interracial relationship. No yeah, that's race all we see mixing.
1: nowadays. Isn't that <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's all we see. Yeah. Again, kernel of truth, but like what they're trying to do today with always showing interracial couples, it's almost like, do you think you're living in
1: 1934? <laughs> it is funny, too, about the white slavery thing. It's like if they wrote it today, it'd be like you can always show blacks as slaves, to, but a white person has to own them.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, this was a racist time. I mean, look at how they treated even black stars at the time, like Josephine Baker and stuff. And they would make them go in a separate door mm-hmm. and, you know, the back door. Uh, Billie Holiday was treated like that. And there was
1: Hattie um, um, McDaniel when she won the Oscars. I don't think she was allowed to actually go up and accept it.
0: Oh, that's right. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, Okay, number seven, sex hygiene and venereal (laughs) diseases (laughs) are not subjects. Amy
1: Schumer would not have a courier back then.
0: (laughs) Gosh, neither would Margaret Cho. (laughs) (laughs) Are not, neither would Kathy Griffin, are not (laughs) subjects for motion (laughs) pictures. Uh, you know, if it ended up in the code, it's probably because it happened, right? Like, they're like, hey, don't make a movie about venereal diseases. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, scenes of actual childbirth, in fact, or in silhouette are never to be presented. So silhouette. not even in silhouette could they show childbirth. Which is how they got away with a lot of, bra- a lot of the loopholes they would do. They would show, instead of showing nudity, they would show a woman changing. They would show her silhouette, right? Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that. Specifically, they called out childbirth. You can't show the silhouette. If you go back and watch Gone with the Wind, there's that scene where uh, Scarlet and Mammy are watching. I think it's Mammy. They're watching this woman give birth. And the camera just shows their silhouettes. It doesn't show hers. It's hmm. so removed. It's like you can't be there. You can't see her and you can't see a silhouette of her giving birth. Interesting. Yeah. And then this one, I mean, yeah, no one should have a problem with this one. Number nine, children's sex organs are never to be exposed.
2: Ugh.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Then we get into some, we're almost at the end of this, guys. The code vulgarity. These are some short bullet points. Vulgarity. The treatment of low, disgusting, unpleasant, though not necessarily evil subjects should be subject always to the dictates of good taste and regard for the sensibilities of the audience. Obscenity. Obscenity in word, gesture, reference, song, joke, or by suggestion is forbidden. Dances. Dances which emphasize indecent movements are to be regarded as obscene. So, uh, no twerking, (laughs) (laughs) basically (laughs) profanity pointed profanity or vulgar expressions. However, used are forbidden and then costume number one, complete nudity is never permitted. This includes nudity in fact, or in silhouette, they did do. They did break this with silhouette sometimes. Or any lecherous or licentious notice thereof by other characters in the picture. Uh, and number two, dancing costumes intended to permit undue exposure or indecent movements in dance are forbidden. So this is the end. That's that's the Hayes Code. You can take that off the screen now. There we go. So did did you have... Okay, so I have I have more unless I'm do you want to jump in because I have more about what happened after they instituted this? No, jump in. Okay. So they did have to kind of find ways to break these rules, and they would have to re-edit movies over and over. Like if it didn't if it didn't, you know, if the if the um, um, motion Picture Association said, no, this doesn't work, they'd have to send it back. There was a director. Oh my gosh, who was this? I wrote this one down. Um, Oh, Howard Hughes. Duh. So in the 1940s, Howard Hughes had a thing for Jane Russell. Maybe you can find a picture of Jane Russell, pirate. And he specifically had a thing for her bosoms. And so he would, (laughs) he would, (laughs) um, (laughs) he would like, you know, choose to frame his pictures with. Her assets kind of highlighted, and there was there was one movie called The Outlaw. It was a western film that they had to send it back and re-edit it 37 times because of her assets. <laughs> 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 because they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, uh, Jane Russell. So there were, you know, there were there were directors who were trying to find ways to get around this. um there was a there was i was watching actually you know who did a great movie uh, a great video on this recently surprisingly was count count dankula
2: Hmm. he
0: did a video on the code i was looking up code and i was like hey that's kind of recent um if you can show the one that i sent you pirate where i've we've got it queued up to uh hold on one second i'll tell you where 1447 the old rules of Hollywood okay now I could not find the name of this movie if anyone in chat knows the name of this movie please let us know but Count Dankula was talking about how because of the rules against interracial relationships they could not show a couple kissing on screen if they were an interracial couple and so this is how they got around that just you can hit play there we're gonna watch instead of a kiss this is an interracial couple on screen or it's meant to be (laughs) i thought that was funny but i was i was looking that one up like what is that and he didn't name it in his video so if anybody can find out the name of that movie actually if you drop it in the chat or in a comment we'll you'll win a prize we'll figure out what the prize is but you'll win a prize um (laughs) so they would they would creatively try and and break a lot of these rules and by the time 1960 rolled around you had alfred, Hitch- alfred hitchcock who already had several films under his belt dial in for murder uh, he came out in 1960 with psycho and he had to film the shower scene. Now this is the famous scene that everybody knows this movie. A lot of people know this movie for this scene in a normal movie. And there's maybe 600 different cuts, right? He had 70 over 70 cuts in the shower scene because he had to find a way to show the man stabbing the woman without showing any nudity and without actually showing the knife striking skin. And so to imitate the action, he did the, all these quick cuts. So Pirate, if you can pull up that psycho scene, we're just going to watch a quick part of it. <clears throat> now she was wearing a moleskin here. So she wasn't actually nude. Can stop. It's kind of terrifying, right?
1: You know, yeah. I was thinking about this earlier about horror movies and kind of similar to what we're just talking about with comedy. I think a lot of horror movies, either because of fears of getting a, a R rating or something or maybe just artistically decided not to show certain scenes where a character is being like killed or murdered, whatever and compared to today where a lot of the horror movies are super violent you know you actually see stuff and so you're not your imagination isn't filling in the blank as it would if they didn't show it you know if they just kind of imply certain things you go oh that 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 seems like that's really terrifying or really bad or, or really horrible but today it's just like no we're just actually going to show you people you know being stabbed and all sort of being impaled by things. And it's just like, eh, doesn't quite have the same psychological tear that I think a lot of older movies kind of like, the clip you just showed from Psycho, did?
0: Yeah, it's, again, I think that when they're restricted, sometimes it forces them to be more creative. He wouldn't have shot that scene in that way if he didn't mm-hmm. have to get around the nudity and the violence rules. A similar thing, The Bride of Frankenstein, which is one of the monster picks that came out during at the like the beginning of the code. In fact, I think, so the code started in 1934. I think Bride of Frankenstein was 1935. I think it was like the first year of the code. And so it was a good litmus test for the studios to figure out how much they had to go back and edit to change things. And they had to be very creative in that, in that film um, because of the new restrictions that they weren't used to having to follow when it came to violence, when it came to nudity. Um, yeah. So after this happened, so Alfred Hitchcock, he kind of kicked down the doors a little bit because he showed that you could bend the rules and you could get away. There are so many interviews with him talking about the scene and how even though there is no nudity, she's wearing a mole skin um, and there is, there is no actual there's never a shot where the knife hits the skin. It creates in the mind the image of what's happening. And so he showed that you could break the rules and, and, and still create in the viewer's mind uh, an impression of what's happening. He also, incidentally, he kind of changed the way at that time that people were watching films because a lot of the theaters at the time would have these double features, and so people would come in sometimes in the middle of a movie. Like your movie might be showing second or it might be showing first, but people were kind of lackadaisical about when they would arrive. And he put out all these rules with psycho and he said, no. And in fact, they put this in the advertisements. You will not be permitted into the theater. If you arrive late. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think it helped drive attendance. Cause it was like, Oh, he said, we're going to have security guards at the movie theaters. And they're not going <laughs> to let you in if you're late. <laughs> and this is so you can enjoy psycho better. And he had them at the end of the film he instructed the theaters to leave the lights off for like an extra minute and a half or something while the credits are rolling so that people would properly disengage from the movie. <laughs> and so he kind of was changing the way even people watch films, like paying it that respect, you know, get here on time for my movie. It's
1: I, like the uh, uh, Alamo draft house. Huh.
0: It is like the Alamo draft house. Yes. I like that. Yeah. I appreciate that. In in Los Angeles, I was talking about this with uh, my husband the other night. When when he and I went to see uh, for my birthday one year, we went to see we just started dating. Went to see Joker, which was great in the theater. And when it was over, I started clapping because it was a good film. <laughs> and he was like what are you doing and then everybody, <laughs> and then everybody started clapping because it's like yeah it's a great movie and I didn't realize until then that people didn't do that everywhere I think that's a Los Angeles thing because it is a, such a film town and mm-hmm. not every theater in LA but a lot of like the good theaters if people like a movie in Hawaii at the, at the like, one of the good theaters everyone applauds and if they don't like it everyone hisses like, like when it's over <laughs> they don't do that in Texas
1: on black theater so Uh, well actually I am seeing a lot more particularly for like big blockbuster films like the last spider-man movie that just came out when the spoiler when uh, the old spider-man show up you know Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield people were clapping and cheering Uh, The money shot where they're all like running and they're all swinging from the top of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Everyone's like cheering like it was like a wrestling match or they're at a sports game. So I am seeing it a lot more. It just it it just all depends on how engaged the audience is. But I think people are a lot more willing to to show their excitement uh, for these movies.
0: I think that's good because there's so many people, especially after the lockdowns and and with how much crap Hollywood's been putting out, there aren't as many people um, incentivized to go to the theater. And so if you go there, you're probably going there for the experience, the experience of watching with other people. So why not enjoy it with other like You're there <laughs> with an audience, you know, clap at the parts you like, hiss at the parts you don't like.
1: <laughs>
0: you <know? laughs> Talk back to the hmm. movie. All right. Like. Just don't be on your phone talking to somebody else. That sucks. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So after Psycho, it kind of opened the door for other people to start challenging the code. And again, think about it. Uh, The code, the the Hays Code ran from 1934 to 1968. That's a really long time. So after Psycho in 1960, you got in 1966, you got Blow Up, which was just nudity all over the place. And just completely flouted the rules, did was not approved um, by the MPAA, and did very well in theaters anyway. Uh, you had Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf nineteen sixty six, which just completely also flouted a lot of the rules. Um, and the other thing that happened was there was a case in the nineteen fifties. So before, back up a little bit before the sixties. There was a case where the Supreme Court had said that the studios couldn't own their own theaters. It was a monopoly thing. That they couldn't have these monopolies where they create the film, then they put it out in the theater. So the theaters um, were allowed at that point to start showing, they didn't have to show studio films, just studio films anymore. So they would start showing foreign pictures, which didn't have the code, the Hayes Code. And so the theaters were showing Hay- American films, which were Hays Code films, and then they were showing these foreign films, which were breaking all these rules of morality and showing sex and alcohol and violence. And and so guess which ones were doing really well? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so those movies are doing great in theaters. And and so then there ended up being, remember how I said there was this early Supreme Court case which where they said that in the 19... Um, Uh, I was 1915. They said that film was not covered by the first amendment because it was a private industry. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was another Supreme court case. This was in 1952. They called it the miracle decision because it had to do with a short film called the miracle, but they basically reversed their previous stance and they said, no film is covered under freedom of speech. And that kind of helped put some pressure in the fifties on the studio eventually easing up on this code. Again, remember the Hayes Code wasn't imposed by the government. This was the film industry saying, let's censor ourselves, right? And let's have this this governing board that tells us and we all agree to it, right? So after that Supreme Court case, there was all this pressure. You had directors like Hitchcock and Howard Hughes who were trying to like kind of get around the rules and showing that you could get around the rules. Um, and so eventually, in 1968, they replaced it. They decided to get rid of it and they replaced it with what we know today, which is instead of trying to create films that are uh, with one code for everyone, they instead went to this age rating thing where they came out with the different letter ratings. So G, general audience, M for mature audience, where if you're 16 or younger, you can only get in with a parent uh r rated r where you can't get in if you're under 18 you know and then x uh which was what was x
1: uh that was no one one's allowed i think back then it was under 16 nobody was allowed under 16 even if you had a you know
0: oh parent, even if you had a parent okay yeah, yeah.
1: which that eventually became nc17 in 1990.
0: I yeah and they didn't trademark rating x and so the porn industry then screwed right. that up and they just went crazy with it
1: <laughs> yeah that's why they changed like, it c17
0: oh okay that makes mm. sense yeah because then the porn industry is like x, 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <X's.">
1: <laughs> but it, it makes sense that they would start to loosen the restrictions a bit given the competition with television and particularly how a lot of old movies were being shown on television too and so movie theaters and Moody Studios needed a way to kind of draw people back into theaters, you know, increasing competition from TV.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they saw that a lot of these films that started breaking the rules did quite well in theaters. That it didn't hurt them. It's almost if you ban something, then you create more of a demand for it. Yeah, where have
1: we seen that before?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that might be happening right now. <laughs> I think people are on YouTube watching shows like Friday Night Tights because they're sick of the self-censorship in Hollywood. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know? So uh okay. That was my I'm sorry that took so long, Chris. That was my brief carry notes, cliff notes version of the haze code. There we go. It's very
1: good. Very good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh can I show you one more thing? I know you have some stuff pulled up too. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, pirate. Mate, let's get let's get this one right. Uh, I want to make sure I get it right. The this is the one that I sent you. It's it's from a, a YouTube user named Michael Jackson. He also does a lot of stuff on the Haze Code, and it's the one that says uh, start it at four forty six, and the name of the the name of the um, clip is pre-code Hollywood, but we're going to start it at four minutes and 46 seconds. And this is him talking about his favorite of all of the pre-code we're stepping back in time. This is just when I left out, but I thought this would be a good little treat. This is his favorite of the pre-code films This is before the Hayes Code. And this was a, a movie called, uh, it would start Clara bow and. It was Call Her Savage, and this was in 1932. Clara Bow was like the it girl of the time. So let's hit play. This one's just all out crazy. This is why they had to have the Hayes Code, apparently, was because of movie's (laughs) like Call Her Savage.
3: Let's spend just a little time with my very favorite pre-code film, Call Her Savage.
1: The premise of the film is that Clara Bow, who is here beating a snake to death forever,
0: (laughs) is the daughter of a Native American man and a white woman.
2: Therefore, she has the savage in her. (laughs) And this is demonstrated throughout the entire film.
0: Okay, he's laughing at her. But
1: she's feel, a savage. I feel like that could get in the window, beating the snake.
0: You half breed! <laughs> hey,
3: Pete!
2: Isn't
1: that your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> what do you up to do now? <laughs> Just like I told her
0: Look at him! She whipped him. I'm sorry, Nasa. <laughs> Listen.
1: I thought.
3: I thought you would laugh too. <laughs> I'm speaking to you, young woman. Why were you hitting him? I was practicing in case I ever get married. <laughs> Give me that! And <laughs> ah! <laughs> <Time> you're mine. <laughs> I suppose you know you broke up my home. I didn't know that you were in a home. When did you get out? Say, listen, you. And you. I think the girls are going to get together. Two to one on that. I don't know. Sonny's pretty good. There they go. They're off. Oh. <laughs> 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 stop, stop it. stop it. stop it. stop it. Oh, what is it, uh, Winifred, please take me to bring it to a room. Hold on, get stop. Get out of here I'm your husband. Remember? Please, Larry, you're ill. You don't know what you're doing. This is why I had them bring you down here. Larry! The most gorgeous thing that I've ever lived. <laughs> my weave
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: he's strangling her oh I'm not sure this during code
1: <laughs> I don't think you show this now
0: what
3: you What's your specialty here? Raw pig iron? Yeah. What do you want to eat? Some canary bird's eyebrows? Cute. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. This ain't no joint. I thought it was a game. He thinks that's a joint. you know who he is? He's Jay Randall, the son of Cyrus Randall, the millionaire mine owner. <laughs> <laughs> who has been grinding down the proletariat for this young Lincoln book can go out with. Wait a, a minute.
2: Don't
0: include this lady in your speech. Ready? <laughs> 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 this whole movie is this whole movie just brawling. <laughs> okay, okay, you can stop it there. You can stop it there, pirate. I will say, if you guys want to watch "Call Her Savage" from 1932, the Clara Bow film, pre-code, you can watch the whole thing for free on YouTube. You should go watch it. <laughs> that's all. So, okay, that's it. That's all my. That's all my links, sir. What do you got?
1: All right. Um, I want to bring up uh, pirate. If you could bring up the uh, Newsweek article, please. And I believe you sent that to him.
0: Teresa said that movie is just chaos, and Adam (laughs) said, "Is this a Marx Brothers movie now?" (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but my I think my favorite comment was uh, was Kevin says, "Oh, sorry, wrong one." I like the Newsweek one.
1: Yeah, Newsweek, please.
0: Kevin says, "I like her."
1: There we go. Yes, thank you. So uh, these are uh, movies that were banned here in America. If we could scroll down a little bit. Uh, Some of these, not too shocking given the time, but uh, Birth of the Nation, which I watched recently. Uh, The most offensive thing about that movie was that it was too damn long. Not all the horrible blackface, just the length of the movie. But that one, about the KKK, that was it. Uh, Of course, we got old one, Birth Control. I haven't heard of that. I've seen it. I wonder if it has something to do with birth control. Uh, The original Scarface.
0: Oh, this one kept coming up when I was reading about the Hays Code. This was before. So this was 1932. It's two years before the Hays Code. They really did not like the violence in this film.
1: (laughs) Just wait till I see the 80s one. Um, Ecstasy Obsession. I haven't seen these movies. All the movies um if we go to yeah a little bit more to the modern ones um let's see if we go a little further down oh
0: pink flamingos made the list yes it did
1: so monty python in the life of brian was well, one because wow. uh, i guess sensitivity to you know portrayals of someone thinking he's you know mistaken for jesus uh Cannibal Holocaust this is a movie I've always heard about, never actually watched it. But by the name of it, it sounded like a snuff film. Um and then we go to some of the newer ones in the last 20 years. <laughs> the movie.
2: Hillary the movie?
0: <laughs> what? Okay, now I have to see this film cuz I don't I don't think I've even heard of this and it was banned
1: i i see what uh
0: it was made in 2008 produced by the conservative group citizens united the release of this video on demand documentary was blocked
1: (laughs) wow yeah we're gonna have to find that one and watch that uh and then uh yes man fixed the world which i have not heard of as well but yeah uh because when i looked up this I, i was thinking that all these movies are going to be movies that existed, you know, prior to 1960s. But I was kind of surprised seeing that there are at least a few uh, that were banned afterwards.
0: The Life of Brian one makes sense. I have seen that. I love it. Obviously, I love Monty Python. It makes sense because even after the Hays Code ended, they, they would still sometimes, they had gotten used to during the Hays Code, they would, um, you weren't allowed to mock the, the clergy. Or the church and so they would sometimes change characters and there was a film where in the book or the play there was this this one bad like bad guy character who was uh, a bishop and they changed him in the movie to a judge so they would do things like that where so they didn't make a they didn't make one of the a member of the clergy or a priest Mm -hmm. or someone they would not make them a bad guy and so they said, even after the Hayes Code ended, that some of that lingered, where there was this reluctance to uh, poke fun of or to mock or to uh, make the any anyone associated with the church one of the bad guys. Mm. So I could see that. I could see that the people still kind of defer to that was the '70s Life of Brian. So I could see them still saying, "Oh no, that's too much." Yeah. yeah. One okay. of the films that I looked at during the code, it was The Bride of Frankenstein, which was right after they instituted the code. They had to take out a lot of things because they said it was mock- mockery of the church.
1: <laughs> wow. <clears throat> but bringing back someone from the dead?
0: Well, yeah. like there was a character who who is, at one point during his dialogue, he says something about um, God. He's like, or God, if you will, if you like your Bible stories, the original script said, if you like your fairy tales, Mm. that was too insulting. They didn't want you, they didn't want the character calling God, like calling that a fairy tale. So they had to change it. So they would do little changes like that.
1: I I always suspected one of the uh, Star Trek episodes and I'm keeping my promise of bringing up Star Trek every episode we have, but uh, on the original series, uh, Who Mourns for Adonis, which is about... um, Enterprise crew goes to the planet and inhabited by a being who thinks he's Apollo, and at the very end of the episode, oh, they find out that it was like some kind of machine that was enhancing his guy's power. He's not an actual god or anything, but Captain Kirk makes this um, argument, or he, he has this line where he says, "You know, humanity's outgrown our need for gods," and but he does say, "Well, we'll do just fine with the one," and I always thought that that was kind of added. Because of the time, the sensitivity, you know, to you know more atheist type story, and so they kind of had to like pepper that in there just to not upset people, but clearly the episode was a kind of secular atheist view on, on religion in, in that two episode.
0: I thought since you were bringing up Star Trek, you were going to bring up the. First television's first. I think it was the first
1: interracial kiss.
0: Interracial kiss mm-hmm. with a they had had interracial kisses before but not with a black character. And that was Star Trek, right?
1: Uh yes, Uhura and Captain Kirk kiss in an episode which, you know, William Shatner claims they filmed it like 30 times or something. <laughs> was that at his request? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs>
0: Let me try again. <laughs>
1: uh one other link. Um pirate, if you can let's see which one is this. Um so the wmagazine.com article about Marilyn Monroe. If you could bring that up, please.
0: You guys, round of applause for Pirate Tomsky. Yay, we have so pirate. many links tonight.
1: Yeah, one Kevin.
0: I thought I was gonna do these all myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Well, while he's getting up. So anyway, well, I'll just spoil it. Um okay. so Netflix is coming out with an NC-17 movie, um uh, Marilyn Monroe. Okay. So Anna De armis I think that's her name. She's she's gorgeous. Uh she was in that's the other one. Sorry. Uh Let's see. The w magazine doo, doo, doo.
0: but go ahead and tell me about it
1: while he's looking. but yeah so uh there it's gonna be nc17 on netflix only and uh in this article they they talk about the uh, yeah there we go so they talk about some of the uh sexual stuff in there like one scene is supposed to be a i think it's like oral sex but it's going to be like bloody like I, I don't know if she yeah. or someone's menstruating and something yeah. it sounds really yeah gross like it's just very shocking for the sake of you know shocking which i think they did on you know purpose intentional because they want people to talk about like we're doing now uh talk about this movie coming out on netflix you
0: know? they want people to talk about the fact that it's in c17 right right
1: uh, yeah let's see if there's a so oh, cool so it says to see uh so it's demanding movie, Dominic, best known for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, told Screen Daily last month. If the audience doesn't like it, then that's their effing audience's problem. It's not running, uh, running for public office. Evidently, it's demanding enough for the director to have predicted the film's rating. It's an NC-17 movie about Marilyn Monroe. It's kind of what you want, right? I want to go see... Uh, I want to go and see the NC Seventeen version of the Marilyn Monroe story. So, see, yeah, cast her. Um, so Ben Affleck's in it, opposite of her. Uh, Adrian Brody is one plays one of her <coughs> husbands. Uh, see,
0: Baffleck is in it.
1: Yep. Yep. And so, some sexual content presumably refers to nudity and sex scenes, but viewers would do well to note that the film isn't simply a steamy romp. Dominant controversially decided to depict a rape scene that appears in Oates' novel prompting Netflix to insist on bringing in another editor to curb the excess of the movie it's unclear what else fell into the category but apparently Netflix was just fine with what screen daily described as a scene featuring bloody minstrel oral sex suffice it to say the movie will be far grittier than Hollywood's last major Monroe biopic 2011 Michelle Williams starting my week with Marilyn so there you go nc-17 movies aren't dead they still exist
0: yeah i predict this is a gimmick that they're just trying because it's almost like remember when albums like cds used to get the um explicit rating yeah and and then it became a thing where they wanted the explicit rating right. and if they didn't get it they would even they <laughs> would yeah I, there was one of the comics I worked with. We would just put it on there because we wanted it on there, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> <Like, laughs> yep. that would help sell. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: do you so, think we're going to see any like backlash to it?
0: Probably, but I mean, woke is at a point culturally now where they don't actually care about women. No. So, if, so if any of the feminists are saying, well, like I saw in the chat, I saw someone nerdy girl said. They are sexually exploiting a dead woman who was sexually exploited all her life not sure if that's how Marilyn wanted us to see her so if any feminists say that though the woke part of the the woke feminist the the gender feminist, whatever they're gonna say um it's not exploitation it's empowerment and blah blah you know they don't really care
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're right i don't think we're gonna see much uh much uh, people protesting no, I don't think so. I don't
0: think so. Do you think that people are I want to ask you kind of a broad question. As we talked about with the Hays code, sometimes it forced filmmakers to get more creative. Do you think that with all of the woke Now the Hays code was self-imposed, but it was a board and they did have like rules that were written out, right? Do you think that all of the self-imposed woke rules, like the woke religion that Hollywood has been following for the past few years. Do you think that's forcing people to be more creative to get around the wokeness or we're not really seeing that yet?
1: Uh, I don't f- think so. Uh, cause I'm trying to think of any examples in recent years where I thought that maybe they, cause when you, you say get away around it, would it be thinking like they are giving the perception that it, it's in line with maybe woke, but, and really it's, it's kind of subverting woke ideology.
0: Anything that's sort of subverting woke.
1: I can't really say anything that's subverting. I say things that aren't woke, of course, but in terms of things that are really against woke, but doing it in a very clever way to make people, at least people who haven't seen it, think that it might be probably woke. I. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's doing that, mm-hmm. but I i do suspect that we will see that if it's not already happening.
0: Yeah, I think we'll start to see it. I think we'll start to see subversion of it mm-hmm. and outright mockery. I almost thought some of the clips I saw of Sex in the City, the remake, I thought they're kind of trying to both be woke and make fun of woke at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, that was like the um. Saved by the Bell, last show, I talked about the Saved by the Bell remake, and they had moments when they were kind of making fun of Woke, but then mo- moments when they were, were Woke. <laughs> it was like, it's really weird. Kind of like I, I was talking at the beginning of the uh, uh, this episode, when I was talking about my company, how someone's giving a presentation on uh, real work Woke versus fake Woke. And it's just this weird thing where they're kind of self-aware to a point, but then trying to find a way to still push it while seeming, be, seeming like they're kind of, a, you know, against or criticizing it in a way.
2: Like,
1: yeah. maybe they're trying to, to move things in a more subversive way back when they were subversive when they were doing things. Because uh, we you look at, say, the, the first episode of, um, uh, what was it, uh, Westworld, our first season of Westworld, like there's a feminist undertone to that entire season Yes, and it's not something that a lot of people recognize. I didn't recognize it until I started reading interviews with Lisa Joy and the other writers there, because uh, the, the whole thing was about um, artificial intelligence. These these robots that, uh, particularly the female robots, that are put under a tremendous amount of stress. Um, they're subject to violence, sexual violence and this kind of forces a a, an awakening a self-awareness and when they achieve the self-awareness they realize the true power that they have and they rise up and destroy the person that created their gender role essentially you know that's Mm -hmm. Anthony Hopkins character who wrote the script for all the robots so it's like he's putting in the social conditioning (coughs) telling these robots ways they have to act and so the women female robots you know find their power through, through the violence the and that's kind of what feminism teaches you know feminists that you know women were oppressed and still are oppressed but they have to awaken f- the uh, achieve that class consciousness essentially and True. through that they can find their collective power rise up yeah and, you know rule over
0: men or whatever
1: down with the patriarchy up with the matriarchy
0: even though they seeded it with that feminist message, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't it's still you, good.
1: Yeah. None of not a bad thing, but it's feminist it there but- the whole time. It's just like the second and third season was a lot more obvious, and that's what turned yeah. off a lot of people from the show. But exactly. the first one was written so well that a lot of us didn't recognize it or even did, didn't really care that much because it was still competently written.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it was feminist in the first season, but I wouldn't say explicitly woke. It was in your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
1: know. Right
0: um so what else would you like to show sir
1: uh that was mainly it um we don't have to bring up the article but there was one article i was looking up uh effects of rated r movies on kids because i was trying to see if there was um science, any kind of science or data or whatever to back that up and apparently there was they were saying how exposure to rated r movies uh, increased alcoholism for kids. I, I didn't read the actual study. I don't know, you know, the details of that. But I can say that I saw a lot of rated R movies when I was a kid. My parents took me to see these movies. And I'm completely normal. There's nothing wrong with me.
0: You are the most probably one of the most normal, healthy people I know.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Put that in your bio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm totally insane. <saying. laughs> nothing wrong with me. You can trust me. If I'm anything different else. On stab the other you. hand,
0: though, your parents did do a good job of protecting you because you told me they would take things away. Like you told me things would go missing. Like oh. when, after Pee Wee Herman was called out in the porn theater, didn't your Pee Wee Herman dog go missing? He disappeared.
1: <laughs> uh, he, he went to go find a darkened theater to uh, chill in and do some stuff to himself. But another thing uh, disappeared too. So when my brothers went away for college, they left behind their dirty magazines. And so uh, I found them and it was like, wasn't just like regular porn. It was like big chocolate ass porn. And so I put them in a briefcase and I would go to my friend's house, <laughs> and we look at it and like laugh and giggle at it. And so apparently, my parents got uh, a little suspicious. Like, why is this eight-year-old going around with a briefcase <laughs> everywhere? And then one day, the briefcases disappeared. And to this day, we've never talked about it.
0: Never mentioned.
1: Nope.
0: They were protecting you. <laughs> <They're> like... <laughs> I just picture you with your little briefcase and gla- like glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm just going to work, guys. What are you talking about, mom?
1: Until this day, I still carry a briefcase with me with porn in it. Totally normal.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. It's almost been two hours. We did did start a little late. But uh, we have a couple clips left. Pirate has in the queue. We are going to watch that Star Trek kiss. I already know, guys. We're not going to be monetized. We rarely get monetized on the pop culture videos because we show so many clips. So that's okay. Is worth it for the fun and hanging out so just go ahead and show it let's just show it i'm so frightened
3: captain i'm so very frightened
2: that's the way they want you to feel makes them think that they're alive i know it
3: I, can, I wish i could stop trembling try not Try. Right. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of all the times on the Enterprise when I was scared to death, and I would see you so busy at your command. And I would hear your voice from all parts of the ship. And my fears would fade. And now they're making me tremble.
2: But I'm not afraid.
0: I am not. There's afraid. a lot of build-up here.
2: <laughs> 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 Do
0: it. Kevin, just kiss her already. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if they
1: did this thing today, it would be the woman leaning the man back. The oh, just... <laughs> God. Yes, she would have or, to. Emasculate... Or would be the gay guy, too. Gay guys on Discovery. Yeah.
0: She would have to emasculate him. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And the woman would have to tip the man's head. <laughs> oh, shut up. The man would be
1: am so scared. She'd be like, don't worry.
0: <sighs> don't worry. I've got you. It would be B.
1: Larson. <laughs> By the way. We have to make you watch a Star Trek episode and talk about it on a future episode of Pop Culture.
0: I can't wait. I'm just kidding. How dare you, <laughs> Carrie? Dare you. No kidding. It will be fun. It'll be fun. I already I'm know the I'm really episode. I already know okay. episode. I'll so. get into it. I'll wear some Spock ears. We'll make a party. Yeah, you'll wear
1: more than that. You'll wear a uniform. a uniform. Yeah, you have a communicator. Yep. I'll yeah, do, you're going to
0: be uh, ready. Into character. Okay, guys, thanks for hanging out. We're going to end with the Gold Diggers clip that I mentioned at the very beginning. This is a scene from a 1933 film called Gold Diggers with Ginger Rogers. And this was, I think this scene was meant to, this was during the Great Depression and they were trying to, um it was like an aspirational scene where they're trying to, make people uh, picture the end of the depression when everything's okay again. And so this is where that song comes from that many of us know from our childhood, from Bugs Bunny, right? We're in the money.
1: Mm -hmm. Wasn't that in Looney
0: Tunes all the time?
1: I think so. That's how I know most of my 40s. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it was in Looney Tunes a lot. So we're going to end with this clip. Uh, We're in the money from Gold Diggers. And I don't know, Pirate pulled it up, so I don't know if, if this includes it, but we'll just see. But if it if it doesn't include it, you need to go and look this up. There's this really freaky part of this this movie, this scene, where Ginger Rogers starts singing the lines in pig Latin. And she nails it, but it sounds so creepy. You're like, what's happening? Is this a demon? Like it doesn't sound English. Mm-hmm. And she just rolls with it. So okay. Uh, yeah, David Dean says, love this. She sings in Pig Latin. Yeah, it's quite impressive. <laughs>
3: gone are my blues and gone are my tears. I've got good news to shout in your ears. The long lost dollar has come back to the fold. With silver you can turn your dreams to gold. Oh. <laughs> We're in the money. We're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. The sky is sunny. Oh, man, depression, you are through. You've done us wrong.
0: Okay, pause it for a second. So you see there's are singing about the depression, and they're like, depression, you have done us wrong. It's over, right? It's aspirational. If we did this now, <laughs> it would be like... Gases, $3. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we
0: got some baby formula.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, man, Joe Biden, you have truly done us wrong. <laughs> That's the <what> way it would <laughs> be. Take off your mask now. <laughs>
2: You've
0: done us wrong, Lord. We never see headlines about red lines
3: today. And when we see the landlord, we can look that guy right in the eye. Oh, we're in the money. Come on, let land it, it, sand it, around. <laughs> <laughs> we get money. the never see we
2: Okay, we pause it one more time.
0: <laughs> that's true here's my other idea i took a picture of because we're doing all this renovation in this new old house and anthony my husband's doing a lot of it himself with our friend david and we've been making doorways and stuff and so we've been saving all this original long pine this beautiful wood and in one of the pictures we have a we have a 1914 house account on instagram because anthony wants to show progress and stuff and somebody was like well all the picture of all of that wood that lumber is like that's the equivalent of like rappers showing a bunch of money in their videos, like you, because that lumber is very expensive right now. But so I'm like, oh gosh, we should be posting pictures See. of all the lumber, right? So if I did this now, it would be lumber, like where is
1: the lumber. That and baby formula. And baby
0: formula. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and the that's it you're and the
1: i don't know how but this is somehow anti-semitic the piglet
3: the
2: <laughs> man
1: Oh, Bring about day. the devil
0: kind of creepy, right?
1: <laughs> I know right? <laughs> we need to play the this backwards. I'm mean, going it just it's like, did I dream
0: that? <laughs> 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 Don't watch that scene at night by yourself. <laughs> did I have a stroke? <laughs> Thank you,
1: Pirate. Look, Thanks see, even funny. the ad wants you to watch Star Trek.
0: It does. It knows we are talking about Star Trek.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, that, that Pig Latin clip, she did that all in one take. She nails it, but there's something about the way the camera gets right up to her. I feel like I'm in a trance suddenly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give me all your money. <laughs> Yuck, yes. Put it in my pocket. <laughs> We well, we cracked the code. Pop no. culture detectives are on the case.
0: I'm not really good at talking about, like, I need to start get better at the beginning of the show where people are like, hey, and you can like and subscribe and all that stuff. And we have a Patreon and we have a Locals. And if you want to help support the show financially, I think what I'll just do is take that Ginger Rogers clip of her singing good Latin.
1: Don't <laughs> <laughs> scare some people away.
0: We're in the Bitcoin video. I'm just do it and pick Latin. <laughs> so silly. It's that time of the night.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, hope yeah. some rappers somewhere sampled that song. I bet they did. I mean, I came across a, a rap song a few years ago that sampled the Meow Mix theme. And if they did that, oh, surely wow. some rappers somewhere sampled this song.
0: How funny the Meow Mix. Yeah,
1: Meow, 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 Meow. meow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really funny. Uh Chris, <laughs> I had so much fun hanging out with you tonight.
1: Yes, this is great. This is really fun. Thank you, Pirate, and thank you, chat. This is awesome.
0: Thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, if you like the show, please consider hitting the like button because that helps us on YouTube. Also, if please let me know, let us know in the comments. Ah, oh, David Dean, thank you for the super sticker. Five dollars, thank you, sir. Let us know in the comments, if you are watching this episode after the live stream, um, let us know if you can watch it or not. The ever since Wednesday of last week, starting with our pop culture last week, I don't know if I've told you this, Chris, uh, the videos look like they're constantly buffering for two days. And I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting tons of comments from people that can't actually watch it after it has streamed for about one to two days and then it gets fixed. And Hmm. I don't want to automatically think they're throttling it on purpose t- for the first two days after it airs. But I don't know. I've
1: we're having been- too much damn fun.
0: And I know it's been happening to Midnight's Edge and uh, Deb Philman And uh, I'm trying to remember who else. Might have been Chrissy Mayer. Anyway, if you guys see that, just let me know if you can play this or not in the comments. Thank you very much. And thank you, chat, for hanging out. Yay. And thank you, Pirate go to bed (laughs) go to bed now